game is never over till the end. Deshaun Lowe's right side. Whenever that clock strikes zero. Caught DeAndre Hopkins. Touchdown, Houston. It's Texans All Access. Texans All Access presented by Daikin, keeping Houstonians comfortable with the latest cooling and heating products designed to save energy and improve indoor air quality inside your home. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer and learn more at DaikinLovesHouston.com. D-A-I-K-I-N LovesHouston.com. Daikin. Here's the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from Tampa, Florida. Yeah, that's right. And the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio 2. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter making our annual trip to Florida. It's just this time, we're going to Tampa instead of going to Jacksonville because we went to London instead of Jacksonville, but we're still heading to Florida. Got to go to Florida at least once every year. I'll take on Jacksonville. But 2015, we went twice because we went down to Miami as well. I think we went to back, back-to-back weeks, actually, in 2015. But we get to Florida in December. If you're going to Florida, this is the best time to go. It's in December. My wife and I got married in December. It was maybe the best weather ever. I mean, it was phenomenal. We had people coming from all over the country, and they just they loved it. They didn't want to leave. We had to like, kick them out like, hey, y'all got to go, man. We got to go on our honeymoon. Y'all got to go home. And it was, it was awesome. So we are in Florida, and that doesn't mean we don't have plenty for you in the show because we do. We got a little bit of Max Sharping. We got a little bit of Angelo Blackson. We got B-Scar TV with a cameo from Jordan Thomas. We got a little bit of Mark Vandermeer. We got a little bit of my keys to the game. We'll have all of my predictions straight up and against the spread for a big weekend in the NFL. And, of course, you will hear from... Bill O'Brien later in the show. So, is that enough for you? I would, I would think it is. I would think that's enough. You know, because near the holiday season, it's about giving, right? So, I'm giving you all of that. Our deep slant interview with Angelo Blackson, Drew Doherty with Max Sharping, Mark Vandermeer with Bill O'Brien. B-Scar TV brings you one of the best holiday B-Scar TV episodes ever. It might be one of the best player reporter episodes we've ever had it is hilarious yeah i mean it is really really good so we got all that for you so let's kick it off with some hot reads hot reads brought to you by geico 15 minutes and save you 15 percent or more on car insurance and each and every friday or last show before game day we have a little visit with the head coach of the houston texans bill o'brien who sat down with mark vandermeer earlier today Oh, this was in Houston, of course. Coach, you haven't played at Tampa Bay ever, but right. you've had games this season at places where you've never played before, the Chargers in London, so that's got to help you a little bit in this situation. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, um, we, we kind of talk about this relative to a little bit like London. I know mm-hmm. it's not as far of a trip, but, uh, you know, similar type of deal, and a short week, all these different things. So, um, you know, I think that uh, – those of us that have been in Tampa before, we know we feel like it's going to be decent weather but windy so we can talk to our players about, you know, the weather a little bit and then talk to them about the surface, the grass surface, you know, because some of us have been there before. But, no, we have not been there as Houston Texans, and uh, it'll be a big challenge. All right, defensively, they're really good against the run yardage-wise, and I know they've given up some yards through the air, but the opponent completion percentage is pretty low compared to a lot of teams in the league, so they are doing some good things in that pass defense. What about facing them as a whole and try to attack them? Yeah, they're good against the run. They're the number, like you said, they're the number one rush defense in the league. They only give up seventy-three yards per game. 
Um, and then in the passing game, you're right. They have good DBs that play tight man-to-man coverage a lot, and so you're going to have to throw accurately. You're going to have to run really precise routes. I think that we can do some things offensively, but we've got to be really almost surgical in how we approach it. We've got to be on the money, very focused on every play as to what our jobs are and what our roles are and, and really uh, be, be very precise in how we attack it. What about when you're trying to defend against them and how many people to send after the quarterback versus sitting back in coverage against a passing offense like this? How do you gauge all that? Is that a as-the-game-plays-on kind of thing? I think it's more about um, making sure that you're not showing them your cards before the ball snapped too often. You know, I think if you line up and you show these guys what you're doing uh, pre-snap, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's hard on you because, you, you know, based on you know how they've thrown the ball over the last two weeks 900 yards in two games i mean that's that's a lot of yards so i think we've got to do a good job of communicating getting lined up and then disguising you don't get a full week of practice really how does that affect special teams when you go to a game like this i think during this time of the year um the i would never say this to the players but i'm not sure you need a full week i mean you're playing for something there's a lot on the line these guys are very focused they know what it is they're just itching to get to the game get you know get get out there and get playing i mean i think you played a lot of football leading up to this point and everybody knows what they need to do to to be at a high level on on saturday what about the kicking game phase of this matchup? Yeah, it's big. I think, uh, you know, we've, we've done a good job on special teams this year. We've covered kicks well. We've got to do that. We've got to be able to flip the field. We've got to be able to make them drive the ball the length of the field. Uh, that's big when it comes to the punting game and a kickoff coverage team. And I think that our return game is big. I think DeAndre Carter's got a chance here in this game with our matchups and uh, what we might be able to do in the return game. So hopefully uh, we, we get some return yards too. Do you go to any past matchup with Arians or is it just all about the tape you got from this year? No, I think you got to look at uh, you know Arizona the most recent time when we played him Arizona because he had some some similar staff members on his staff and things like that no I think I think you have to kind of go back and look a little bit but uh, you know you have to base most of it on what you've seen this year all right coach thanks a lot good luck thank you all right let's get to our next hot read and it's time for a little Max Sharping yeah the rookie out of Northern Illinois has started since week three at left guard right next to Laramie Tunsil and done a heck of a job and he stepped into studio to talk about Tampa Bay with our good friend, Drew Doherty. Thanks so much. We've got left guard Max Sharping with us. And, Max, how has the rookie season gone so far? I mean, we're 9-5, and five, so I think it's been going pretty well. Uh, you know, it's always can be better for my end when I'm looking at film and stuff, but it's going pretty well. What's been the biggest challenge so far for you? I think just, you know, adjusting to the different game speed. Obviously, it's a big step up from college, but you're just trying to do your best every single play when you're in there and get the job done. In week three, you've been in the starting lineup since. Before you got in, Texans were seeing the quarterback get sacked five times a game. You can't blame everything on the offensive line. It's pass protection as a whole. Since you've been in, the Texans have averaged 2.4 sacks a game. So that number got cut in half. It's a collective effort, I know. But what's changed? I think just across the whole offense, we buckled down a little bit, made sure we knew what communication had to be made between wide receiver and quarterback if he's hot, running backs where they're looking, us where we're looking to protect, and you know, just collectively as an offensive line, focusing on that, making sure we knew that because we knew we had to keep uh, D4 upright. What's it like playing in between Laramie Tunsil and Nick Martin? It's awesome. <laughs> what have you learned? What have you learned? Have, what sort of uh, stuff have you uh, I've learned that Laramie Tunsil is the best left tackle in the NFL <laughs> and that Nick Martin is very good at what he does. Those guys help out every single play, even from a confidence standpoint. I mean, you know you guys, you have two guys there that have played here for a long time and, or in the league for a long time at a high level. It just kind of gives you confidence to go out there and 
do what you do because those guys are going to have your back. And I'm guessing you've picked up a lot of little tricks of the trade, just being around them and seeing them and, and actually playing in a game with them. Because I can't imagine you learn the same stuff you do in practice that you do in a game. Yeah, I mean, obviously practice reps and game reps are a lot different. So you're trying to simulate that in practice, obviously, as best you can. But when it's out there live, you're learning stuff from each other, how, how to communicate what you're what they're kind of looking at on a defensive perspective, what you have to focus on, stuff like that. So what's the challenge this week with this front in Tampa Bay? Because you got some guys who've seen some things, done some things in the league, haven't they? Yeah, this is one of the most experienced fronts probably in the league overall. They're very experienced up front, got great, great guys uh, all across the front, really. So it's going to be a big challenge for us. Yeah, and Dominican Sue is one of them. He's somebody that Texans fans are familiar with. Don't know how much you'll see of him because of where you play and where he plays. Might see a lot, might see not too much of him, but... When you have a guy like that who's got that pedigree, what do you think? It's a good way to gauge where you are as a player. And, you know, you have to come every single play ready to, to give your best because, like you said, he's a great player, been doing it for a really long time at a high level. So you just have to trust in your technique, really work on that this week and get in the playbook, make sure I know exactly what I'm supposed to do on every play, where my help is, who I'm supposed to be looking at, stuff like that. So just trying to don't do too much, just do your job. How much is a, of a challenge is it when you have a flip around where the game comes one day sooner than Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think every anytime you have a little bit less uh, time until the game, you kind of have to lock in on film study a little bit more, uh, you know, less less time to prepare. So you have to really lock it down and know what you're doing. And uh, communication across the front, Nick getting the call out to all of us, Deshaun in the huddle, making sure we all know the play, all stuff like that has to be on point. Last thing. Early in the week, around Tuesday, I saw you walking through the halls of NRG Stadium, and a big cold front had rolled through the night before. It's chilly for us Houstonians. You're in there wearing a short sleeve shirt and shorts, walking in the, the and my, my immediate thought was, what is this guy thinking? And then I remembered, oh, he grew up in Green Bay. I think I looked at my phone, it was 39 degrees or so when I woke up, and I was like, ooh, good day. <laughs> It's a good day for me. <laughs> a nice, warm, balmy uh, Green Bay day, oh, right? That would be a fantastic day in the winter. That is, you're you're out there in shorts, mm-hmm. and a t-shirt in Green Bay in that weather. You played in some cold weather, obviously, in high school and in college. Played in snow, I'm guessing. Did you? A couple times. A couple times. Did you go sh- sleeveless? Uh, yeah, sleeveless, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, sleeveless. I still have gloves on. I can't play without gloves just the way it is now no definitely sleeveless you know gotta gotta show the guns off okay i'm kidding kidding. you You should have rolled with that you should have just stuck with the physique thing (laughs) that would have been funny and we would have we would have stayed with that but i understand i understand understand. well max sharping best of luck on saturday against the bucks best of luck the rest of the way we appreciate your time thank you thank you very much for having me and let's get to our all-important third hot read on a friday and that is the status report now this came out yesterday but i didn't have radio and i was not responsible for radio so i am required to give it to you not not really required i shouldn't say it that way but you got to know you got to know who's in who's out status report on friday is well i don't know if it's clarity but it's always good to know it's always really good to know who's in who's out and what has happened now both teams and probably the Bucks dealing with this a little bit more than the Texans because they had guys go on IR. So their out list is only three players long, but it includes a number of guys. We'll get to that in a second. But this is a big one, a big pair being out for your Texans. 
Outside linebacker Jacob Martin dealing with a knee. And Bernardrick McKinney still not cleared from the concussion that he suffered against the Tennessee Titans. But Martin and McKinney both out. Now, losing BMAC is that that's a tough one. There's no doubt. He is the leader of that defense. So Zach Cunningham's gonna have to take over. And the one little and it's funny because I heard I think it was Seth and Sean talking about this in the morning on uh, a couple days ago. And they were talking about Cunningham. Now, the reason they're talking about Cunningham was because Bernardrick wears the coach comp system. And what that means is he's got the little radio receiver in his helmet, so he's the one who hears Romeo. Now, the thing about the coach comp is you can't talk back. You can just you hear it. So he's the one who listens to Romeo, gets the call, makes the call, communicates, all that kind of stuff. Zach has two helmets. He always travels with two helmets. And this came up last year in the game against Philadelphia. And I remember seeing it out on the field, and I was like, well, this is wild. Because out on the field, after the Texans took the lead, you had uh, Benardrick uh, stand on the sideline because they were going with their dime package. And so J. Joe was getting dressed again because he had been hurt, and he was putting all his gear back on to go back in the game. And Zach was getting fitted with his second helmet. So he has a normal helmet, and then he's got his Coach Com helmet. So he'll be wearing that on uh, Saturday against the Bucks because you will have no Bernardrick McKinney. Now, questionable for the Texans. Jalil Adai, Will Fuller, Carlos Hyde, Taiwan Jones, Brennan Scarlett, they were all limited on Friday. Now, El Guapo was limited Tuesday, did not participate on Wednesday. He had an ankle but also not injury-related. But then he was back to a limited status on fr- on Thursday. So, Adai, Fuller, Hyde, Jones, Scarlett. DeAndre was sick, but he was back on Thursday. Full go. He's ready to go. Now, the Tampa side of this. A couple of announcements before the injury report. They came out, I think, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday. And that was three players were going to IR, two of them at the receiver position. One guy named Scotty Miller, who you go, who? Well, probably the fastest receiver the Bucks have and scored a touchdown. I think it was the first touchdown against Detroit. Just deep over out, got behind everybody, made a catch. I mean, he was flying by people. Scotty Miller out, went to IR. I shouldn't say out, he's gone to IR. Then you had Jordan Whitehead starting safety, second-year safety out of pit. He also went to IR. Then the Buccaneers finally decided to put Mike Evans, who was just voted to the Pro Bowl, he went to IR. That was a big one. And then labeled as out for the Buccaneers is Chris Godwin. So in the NFC, they picked four Pro Bowl wide receivers. All four came from the NFC South. Michael Thomas of the Saints, Julio Jones of the Falcons, and both Godwin and Evans from the Bucks. neither one of them will play on Saturday against the Texans. So Evans, Whitehead, Godwin, all out. All starters, all out. Now, Bo Allen, defensive tackle, and Tanner Hudson, a tight end, they're out as well. Questionable for the Bucks. Carlton Davis, corner. Donovan Smith, who did not play last week, against the Lions, I would imagine he'll play against his former college coach, Bill O'Brien, so I would think Donovan Smith would be in, even though he's questionable. Ryan Jensen dealing with elbow. He's a full participant in practice, so I think he's fine. And then Jameis Winston will find a way to play. That's a tough dude. He's dealing with a thumb and a knee. He is questionable, but I would imagine 
He's going to play as a full participant in practice on Friday as well. So, in total, Martin, McKinney, both out. Adai, Fuller, Hyde, Taiwan Jones, Brent Scarlett, questionable for the Texans. DeAndre Hopkins in. For the Bucks. I'll say out slash IR. Either way, it's just one game, so it doesn't matter. Scotty Miller, receiver, hamstring. Mike Evans, receiver, hamstring. Chris Godwin, receiver, hamstring, all out. Bo Allen, Tanner Hudson, out. Jameis Winston, Donovan Smith, Ryan Jensen, Carlton Davis, all questionable for the Bucks. So there is your status report, and those are your hot reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on motorcycle and or car insurance. All right, time to get into our deep slant interview of the week. And this week it is the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, Angelo Blackson. He made a habit of blocking kicks when he was at Auburn. He got a big one on Sunday against the Titans. And DP City sat down with Angelo. We'll have that for you next on Texans All Access. It is Friday late in December, and that means that all my good teachers out there are on holiday break, or at least should be. They should be. They shouldn't be going back to school on Monday. All of you are on holiday break, so congratulations. Now, when you get back and start 2020, a New Year's resolution, you're thinking, man, how do I get my students to learn math a little bit better? Well, you want to bring a little Texans football to your classroom in addition and sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by Phillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. In this very state, I used to do that. Now, third and fourth graders, I don't know that I could have handled those crump snatchers, but I, I probably, you know, I did a lot of that with my ninth through twelfth graders. I did with my eighth graders, too, but they... They didn't care for it all that much because teenagers don't really care for anything, to be honest with you. But it was it was good for my seniors. So I would think third and fourth graders, I would think that would be a good thing for them. So get on it. Thanks to Conical Phillips for helping out my teachers with Toro's math drills. All right, speaking of math, minus three is good. How is that good? Well, when you don't allow three points – like Angelo Blackson did on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. That's good. That's minus three points for the Titans or zero points when it could have been three. Either way, it's a negative for the Titans and a positive for the Texans, and it was all a result of push, power, long arms, and the next guest on our Deep Slant one-on-one presented by Xfinity, Angelo Blackson. Angelo, I don't know if you know this, but every time I see you, I call you Papa Lo in my head because DJ Reader said that's your nickname. Is that still your nickname? That is, that is my nickname. Okay. That he is. said it's because you've got kids and you're like the dad of the group, although he's a dad now too, so. Yeah, I mean, well, it's just a lot, it's just a <laughs> lot of, it's a lot of, you know, I don't really like to do too much, so it's, I'm a homebody, as I said. That's, ex- that's exactly what he said. That's you what like it to comes just, down to. You got, you got your kids and you want to stay home and you got just work home. to be done at yep. home. Yep, well. Mm-hmm. All right, year five for you. You're part of the Lunch Pill Crew, so I know I, your name always pops up when the Lunch Pill Crew is talking about mm-hmm. the things they do. How much do you enjoy being a part of this D-line? Because you guys are all very different, but I think on the field you guys are really into just bringing your Lunch Pail to work, grinding, working hard, and not getting a lot of recognition yeah. for everything that you do on the field. And that's all That's all that it was to symbolize is, is just the work, you know, uh, ethnic b- between us as um, a D-line, as a, as a team, as a you know, as an organization, and that's that's what the attitude that we wanted to bring. You know, just 
whatever the circumstance is, we, we come into work no matter no matter the weather the weather no matter you know what happens we just we gonna work and that's that's we we've kind of taken that and and made it a thing. Yeah, yeah, I like I like the shirts too. I'm still waiting for mine. Uh, but you made a play that was not a very LPC play this last week. The blocked field goal at Tennessee, pretty flashy play. Earned you. AFSP Special Teams Player of the Week. Congratulations thank on you, that, thank first you, thank of all. You, thank you. Um, all right, so when a play like that happens, because you've actually blocked some kicks mm-hmm. during your time at Auburn, yep. and I'll get into that in yep. a second. Yep. When when you're blocking a kick, is it something that you can sort of feel like, I think I'm going to get a hand on this ball, or are you just as surprised as the rest of us when the play happens? It's, it's, it's pretty surprising. I don't, think <laughs> you can, I, don't, I don't think you know when it's coming. It's just kind of one of them things where you, 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 you go hard on the play and – you know, it's a lot of things that have to shake out for right. you to actually get a block. The kick has to be low, miss time, and you have to get pushed and get your hands up. So it's just one of them things where every time we, you know, get out there, we're, we're, we're effort. And, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's this one. That's the kind of mentality we have. Was it even cooler because it was at Tennessee? That's the team that drafted you. Definitely, definitely. Definitely meant a lot. It meant a lot. All right, so in Auburn, you blocked a couple of field mm-hmm. goals as well. So is that something that when you came into the league, you were like, I, I'm going to block a field goal at some point? Or, I mean, or is that just such a – is that I mean, it just seems like such an unusual play. But this is something you've done now three times, right? Three? Just, three just, times. The, just the mindset of, of, like, not taking this play off because it, it actually matters, you know, to be able to keep points off the board and to be able to, you know, whatever, like, could have been returned for, for points for us. So it's just one of those things where you just give effort on the play each and every time. And if it shakes your way – you know, it's it's a good it's a good feeling. You've been on a part of some pretty special plays at Auburn. You were on the field. I remember watching this on TV. The kick six yeah. play against yeah, Alabama. Yeah. So does that rank up there with probably one of your best definitely, moments? Definitely, definitely. Just just being able to you know provide the team with some juice and and keep points off the board. Definitely, definitely. That's that's one of the things that you can't you can't make up for. All right, AJ McCarron's here this year. Have you talked to him about that? He was he was on the other side of the. Yeah, he it, didn't have the same reaction to that play, but have you talked yeah, to him about talk, it? We talked. We talked. You do. And I the first thing I asked him, I said, you know, how many teams you've been on where, where you've actually been, you know, with an Auburn player that that won that game? He was like, not many. So I, <laughs> I said, so that's the first thing I said. Well, I am. I, I'm, I'm here. So. All right. So after your big play on Sunday. Who who called you first? Who who um, who was picking up the phone, calling you up, saying, "I just saw that crazy play." Um, well, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, my sisters, the family. You know, they're, they're they're some of the people that that reach out first. And but it's it's a ton of phone calls. It's a ton of um, messages. So I mean, they all come through. You kind of see them and respond, and you know. Yeah, because you're you're on the field every single game. I mean, you've been on the field. You've started yeah. every single game this year. You got here in 2017, but it was a little bit later in the year. There were a lot of injuries going mm-hmm. on, but you've really sort of worked your way up to a starting role. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's got to be pretty cool for you because when you got here, did you sort of expect that this is where your career would go? And then you signed the contract extension definitely, too. Definitely, definitely. I mean, the mentality was just, you know, carve out your role on the team and, 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 and make sure that you're doing that role to the best of your ability. And that's always what I base my you know, my gameplay and my career off, you know, career off of is just being a dependable guy, being able to make the plays when I'm supposed to make them and help the team however way I can. That's I, always been my goal. You mentioned your sister. I read this really cool story about your sister that she watches the press conferences and she gets really excited when Bill O'Brien talks about, 
you or mentions yeah. you, and, and you have a really special relationship with your sister, definitely, right? Definitely, she she definitely. helped raise you, yep, is that yep, right? Yep, raised me, raised me from a, from six, so six on, she was there. So. so does she watch all of your, does she come to, has she been able to come to any she, of your she, games? She, she, she's actually moved down here, so we, we've been able That's to. That's so neat. We've been able to get um, her to some games, and even when she was back home, she was able to get to some games, and that's all you can ask is, you know, a lot has to happen, you know, the schedules has to, to match and things mm -hmm. like that, so it's just good to be able to have her and, you know, family down here actually being able to be with them and closer with them. So, so you grew up in Delaware, yeah, so Wilmington, from Delaware. Delaware to Texas, and now you've got your family here. What do they think about Texas? I mean, they love it. I mean, that's the first thing I told them. I said, you're going to love it. It's, 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 it's compared to Delaware, it's ginormous. It's, it's, it's gigantic. So <laughs> It's almost the opposite a, of Delaware, a, is it not? Yes, it's, it's, a different, it's a different experience for someone who's coming from Delaware to the south, but I was actually acclimated. You know, I went to Auburn, and I spent time in Tennessee, so... But they, they love it. They love it. So They love it. I, I, I think it's really neat that you're able to have your family all with you and mm. celebrate these big moments for you. Your sister, you said she helped raise you. Yes. How cool is it now that she's down here and you can sort of, you know, get to spend time with her now, now that you're successful and you're an NFL player in the league? It's, it's awesome. It's awesome being able to um, see, you know, see my family and being able to, you know, provide for them and, and take care of them in the ways that I can because I know my family everybody has sacrificed a lot for me to be here today so it's just awesome to be able to you know give back to them and make sure they're you know enjoying the process and coming to games and being able to experience some of the things that I was able to experience. Is that where you think you get your work ethic from the fact that so many people had to put so many things aside to sort of help you succeed and you feel like you don't want to let them down? Is definitely, that, is definitely, that where that comes from? Definitely I mean I just that, that's all I, I work and, and I, I think everybody who's able to help me get to this point and I you know I always try to be you know helpful to you know my family and people who help me along this path and, and I think that's you know that's bringing me joy to be able to be in a position to be able to do that for the people that help me. So. Alright you get drafted by the Titans in the fourth round you spend a couple seasons there then you spend a little bit of time with the New England Patriots on the practice mm -hmm. squad and then you get signed here to the Texans in 2017. Mm -hmm. At that point in your career where, what are you thinking is going to happen with your NFL career? Did you feel like I just got I just need an opportunity to make a chance, or at any point did you feel sort of discouraged, like it's not really going the way maybe you had hoped or expected? No, because I, I actually, you know, just talking with my agent, he's he he was very confident and about what was going to happen. So at that point, you know, he said the ball is in your court. So once the ball is in my court, I know I can handle it, whatever that is. So I, you know, the work ethic and um, being able to practice and go out there and and disrupt practice and do, destroy, you know, offensive linemen and, 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 and that, that were starting, that, that, that was, it was confidence in that. And mm -hmm. I knew that all I had to do was just work extremely hard and, you know, that however it was going to shake out was however it was going to be. But I know I did my best. That's all. I, I asked Romeo Cornell about this, actually, in a press conference. I said, uh, what, what did you like when you, when you guys brought Angelo here? He said he liked your size mm -hmm. and, you know, how strong you mm -hmm. were but that you had really made a lot of your opportunities. And so I asked him, well, what do you like about his game now? And he said, how, how physical you are at the line of scrimmage. And even if you're double teamed, like you don't move from yeah. the line of scrimmage. Is that what something that you think is your biggest strength as a definitely, D lineman? Definitely, definitely, definitely. Just being able to allow the linebackers or, or allow other people to make plays because I got two linemen that, that, that are on me right at that moment. I mean, you can't ask for anything different. Like I, I may not be a part of the play, but I'm actually contributing and, you know, we, as a team, we know, but, you know, maybe it goes, you know, overshadowed, but 
that's fine. I mean, that that's a part of my job, and I do it every day willingly, and I love it. So, how, how do you like being part of this D line group? You got DJ Reader, you got DJ Dunny, Brandon Dunn, you got JJ, you've got some cast of characters, and then you got Anthony Weaver, who used to play D lineman as well. So, is that that's got to be one of the funnest group position a great, groups? I think. Great group, a great group, and and I can't I can't ask for a, a group any better. And everybody, you know, their personalities and what they bring to the group makes the group what it is. And you know, we're, we're just basically, we're, we're just trying to take this thing and keep going. That's it for as long as we can. All right, I like it. All right, but before I let you go, one final question. You used to play basketball, and I know a lot of your teammates have played basketball. So if you can have a starting five of your teammates, who would you, who would you put on your team? My, that's, that's, that's tough. My starting five would have to be, I have to go with DJ. I have okay. to go with DJ. <laughs> um, J. Joe. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Fells because he he's a well, taller, yeah. tall basketball guy. And he played European basketball. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yes for sure. Um, mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, there was a guy that played in college that you're missing at Clemson. Another Clemson guy, uh, Hopkins. D Hop. Oh, I haven't seen Hop play. He's gonna be tryouts. I haven't seen Hop play. Um, that's tough. That's tough. I'll go with Hop then. I'll go with Hop. I, know, I like I, that you, you, you're sticking with the, de- the defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like, trying I'm sticking to stick, with this side I'm of the locker stick, room. I'm trying to stick with the guys that I've actually The guys seen. you know, you know. Yes. Um, we'll make some room for Hopkins on the side there, definitely, maybe. Definitely, yeah. that's, that's tough, though. That was, that was, that was tough. <laughs> out of all the questions I ask you, that's the toughest. That's, all right, that's well, tough right there. hopefully you we'll guys get to out. play a, a game of basketball soon, and we look forward to seeing the rest of the season definitely. and what it holds for you. Definitely. Thanks, Angelo. Thank you so much. Good stuff there from Papa Lowe, as DP called Angelo Blackson. All right, we get back. It's time to figure out how we're going to win this football game on Saturday. So each and every last segment of the first hour, I do my keys to the game, brought to you by First Community Credit Union. We'll have those for you next right here on Texans All Access. We're coming to you live from Tampa, Florida, kind of, with Texans All Access. From the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio as well. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. Game tomorrow, kicking off noon, Houston time, 1 o'clock, Tampa time. So how are the Texans, with a win, with a win, going to clinch the AFC South the fourth time in five years? Yeah, think about that. A win clinches the AFC South for the fourth time in five years. How are they going to do it? Well, it's time for this week's First Community Credit Union First Glance Keys to the Game, FCCU, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. Maestro, hit my music. Get me going a little bit. All right, here we go. How is it going to get done? Let's start with the Texans' defense this time facing a Buccaneers offense. So the Bucks' offense running for under 100 yards a game, 91.4 yards per game. That's tied for 27th in the NFL don't run it exceedingly well. Did not run it well against the Lions at all. They do throw it well. They throw it for over 300 yards a game. 308.8 yards per game. That is first in the NFL. They produce 400 plus yards per game. That's third in the NFL. However, they have also lost 33 turnovers. I did not stutter. 33 turnovers. 24 of those being interceptions, and I'm sure you'll hear that come up in my keys. So, what do you have to do? Key number one, 
provide a consistently changing picture for quarterback Jameis Winston. Bill O'Brien likes to call it spinning the dial. Now, there will be in a game similar situations that come up. Third and nine might come up twice, or third and long might come up three, four times. Show him a different picture every time. Those 24 interceptions are not all a result of, oh, he just made a bad throw. A guy was open, he made a bad throw. A number of those, I would say a good portion of those, have come because he didn't see something that he was supposed to. He didn't see a dropper. He didn't see a rat. He didn't see a thief in the middle. He didn't see cover two. He didn't see the corner falling off. He didn't see a corner and cougar coverage. He didn't see a lot of those things. Keep the picture changing such that he doesn't see something. Last week on the first drive against the Lions, his only interception that day, the Lions showed a little bit of a simulated pressure. They showed Jelani Tyvai on the left side as linebacker standing up. They dropped him. Rushed off the edge with a fifth guy. Jelani then knowing where Winston was going to throw the ball. Winston saw the pressure, said, you know what? Throw where the pressure's coming from. Tyvai ran right there. Winston never saw him pick. Lions didn't do anything with it, and that was a huge problem. They didn't score. The Bucks got the ball and then went on a run after that. Keep the picture changing. Key number two, keep it in front at all times. Now, There is no Scotty Miller, probably the fastest guy in the Bucs. There's no Mike Evans. There's no Chris Godwin. That doesn't matter. Jameis will throw the ball down the field. Justin Watson from Penn, more possession guy. Rashad Perryman, he can fly. He can go. And he worries me a little bit because he's now the number one. So how do you take him away? What do you do? You might have to double him. We'll get to that in a little bit. But keep it in front at all times. Now, I mentioned earlier key number three. A little, I referred to this a little bit earlier in the show. Donovan Smith is questionable. My guess is, is that he'll play. But if he doesn't, attack that side of the rush with as many different looks as possible. Josh Wells played over there last week. He's a guy the Texans have faced before when he's with the Jags. And it didn't go well for Wells. Keep changing the keep changing the speed, basically. And by changing speed, that's a baseball you know, metaphor. But keep changing speeds on him. Send speed guys, send power guys, send overloads, send a lot of different things at him. And you know what? Even if Donovan Smith is there, go at him too. Because he's been dealing with a knee and an ankle. I don't know. He's 100% healthy. So show him a bunch of different looks on that side too. Key number four. With all those receivers out, the key for the Bucks, I think, becomes tight ends Cam Brate and O.J. Howard. They are as valuable to the Bucs this week as, the, as any of the receivers, including Perryman. So it's okay to use corners in coverage on those tight ends. So that might mean that Lonnie Johnson gets in the game to cover those guys. This might mean that you play six and seven DBs at a time, and you're putting corners. Lonnie Johnson, Garyon Conley on Cam Brate and O.J. Howard. Those guys are as valuable as receivers. So maybe you double Perryman, and then you put corners on the two tight ends. But take them away. They're hugely important in this. And last and certainly not least, this goes back to that number 33. Go get the football. There are going to be opportunities to get it. 33 turnovers in 14 games. That's two, uh, almost two and a half turnovers 
the Bucks have lost per game. You give the Texans two and a half extra possessions in a game, and it's curtains. But go get the football. It will be there. Go get the ball. When he puts it on the ground, anybody puts it on the ground, or when the ball goes in the air, go get it. You have that opportunity. And if you do all that, then you got an opportunity to take away what the Bucks do best and a good opportunity to win the football game. All right, let's flip it over to the Buccaneers defense facing Deshaun Watson and the Texans offense. This Bucks defense yielding just 73 yards per game on the ground. That's first in the NFL. Why? And we'll get that in a little bit. Passing yards per game, they're giving up nearly 277. That's 30th in the league. So they've got this good, bad juxtaposition with both offense and defense. They don't run it very well, but they throw it exceptionally well. They stop the run like nobody's business, but they haven't really been able to stop anybody throwing it. They give up 277 yards per game. Total offense, 350.1. That's 15th in the league. But they have generated 25 turnovers. So even though they've given up 33, they're only minus 8 in turnover margin. Say minus 8. That's not a great number. You don't want to be minus 8 in turnover margin. However, because they've generated 25 turnovers, that has a lot to do with with Todd Bowles. 11 interceptions, 14 fumble recoveries. It's the ball security at a premium. At a premium this week. But we'll get to that in, I don't know, did I put that in my keys? Maybe, oh yeah, I did. And I'll, I'll explain in key number five. But let's start with key number one. Formation window dressing. Now, you hear coaches say this a lot. Oh, that's just the same play we ran, but we just dressed it up differently. The Texans, they've been doing that a little bit more. They're running similar plays, but they dress it up differently. I call it formation window dressing. Now, sometimes it doesn't matter all that much, but the Bucks secondary could have the following. Carlton Davis banged up right now, second-year corner. Mike Edwards at safety, rookie. Andrew Adams at safety, rookie. Sean Murphy Bunting at corner, rookie. And the nickel will be Jamel Dean, rookie. Formation window dressing might confuse some of those young guys in the secondary. And because of that, that might lead to some big plays. That would be huge. All by just changing the window dressing a little bit. Now, Todd Bowles is going to do the same thing to Deshaun. So you've got to recognize it. But if you could show different things formationally to the Bucs defense, especially to the secondary, they don't have a ton of experience back there. So that might lead to a cheap touchdown. Oh, my gosh, they get crossed up. They've seen the, – oh, they're cro- – and then, boom, you hit with deep ball. Or you hit a wide open wide receiver and he runs a distance. Either way, sometimes that formation window dressing can turn into a big play for your offense. Number two. If three guys are needed, guard, center, guard, to handle defensive linemen, Vita Vea and Dom Kinsu, to be able to run the ball at all, do it. Now, the Bucks 
have, I think, four, a, as good a combination of four, two interior guys, two linebackers, as you're going to find. In Dominic Sue and Vita Vea, Devin White, and at linebacker and Levante David linebacker. That's as good a four as you're going to find. But you may have to sacrifice one of those linebackers by making sure that you get Vea and Sue blocked. Now, you may know Dominic Sue, he's been around the league for a while. Vita Vea, you may not know. Get used to it, get used to hearing his name. He's 350 pounds, he was a running back in high school. He moves as well as any. He's caught a touchdown pass against the Falcons this year. I would put that in the key. Stop Vita Vea in a passing game, but they haven't gone back to it that I've seen. So if you've got to occupy those two with three guys up front, then do it. You've got to be able to run the football at a better clip than 73 yards per game than what the Bucks are giving up. Key number three. If you're not, though, running it the way that you want. How many different ways can the Texans run the ball in a non-traditional manner? Bubble screens, smoke screens, RPOs, different kinds of things that are just extensions of the run game. Just little snag routes, little hitch routes, little things that are just extensions of the run game. I think of the Kansas City game. Almost every catch that DeAndre Hopkins had was essentially a running play. It was just an extension of a running play. Yes, there's a risk of Deshaun Watson throwing the ball in the air. I get that. But how many different ways can you run it? Push passes, jet sweeps. you got to be able to, quote-unquote, run the ball against this stout front seven, even though it might not be a traditional handoff. you got to be able to find a way to run the football, which leads me to key number four. I like the combination of Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde on the field together. I like it. I think there are ways that you can play with matchups with those two on the field. You can have those two on the field with three wide receivers. You can have those two on the field with two tight ends and a receiver. You can have two, those two on the field with a tight end and two receivers. There's a lot of different combinations of personnel that you can have with those two on the field because Duke can go line up outside and be a slot receiver if you need to. I like that combination. And I think against a bunch of rookies, not just rookies in the secondary, but Devin White's also a rookie too at linebacker. So I think that that combination can be a problem for the Buccaneers' defense. Don't be afraid to use it. Continue to use it. And number five, the weather might be an issue. They have been forecasting rain all week in the Tampa area. And, of course, being down on the sidelines all game, I follow this because I got to know what, I, what do I need to wear, what, how do I need to be prepared. Do I need my rain gear? Do I not? Like, what do I need to be ready to go? Well, at the beginning of the week, this was showing a uh, 70% chance of rain. But as of Friday, as of now, or time this is, 6.50 local time, it's showing about a 10% chance of rain. Either way, weather's going to be a factor. If it rains... Obviously, taking care of the balls at a premium. The other aspect is heat. Now, 75 to 77 is not really all that hot, but when you've been playing indoors or you've been playing outside, it's been a little chilly. Going outdoors eh, could be a little steamy, especially if rain is coming, which it sounds like it's coming on Sunday. It's going to be pushed back. It's going to be humid as all get out. All that leads to 
this final key, and that is ball security. Got to take care of the football at all times. End of story. So there you go. Those are your first community credit union. First glance, keys to the game, FCCU, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. All right, coming up, it's the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. We'll dive into this game. We'll get his thoughts. And I want to go down memory lane, as Drew and I did, with our 2011 visit to Tampa and what Mark remembers about big Albert Hainsworth stepping on Matt Shop's foot. We'll have that next on Texans All Access. Here we go, second hour of the show, live from Tampa, Florida, and also the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. It's Texans All Access. I'm your host on this Friday in the state in which I coached high school football many, many years ago. I am John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, and I'm joined now by the voice of the Texans, who also, Florida matters to him because he was the yeah. voice of the Miami Hurricanes. It's Mark Vandermeer. Mark, how you but, doing? But this is West Coast of Florida we're That's talking about, Tampa. It's such a different thing because everybody knows about the snowbirds, right? Yep. And there are some Houston-area snowbirds, by the way. Yeah. There are. There are some people who come to the Houston area or maybe a little bit south, yep. like Port Aransas, and they spend the winters there. And it's not always that great, but it's great compared to Chicago. But anyway, <laughs> uh, as far as Florida goes, east coast of Florida is the east coast of the U.S., the northeast. Yes. The west coast tends to be more Chicago, Midwest, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And Chicago, they also go to Phoenix. Those guys go oh, to Phoenix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. And the opposite, in the summers, the Florida people go to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The Houston people go to Colorado. I mean, nice yeah. work if you can. I've never done it. Yeah, you know? I, I, I haven't <laughs> done it. Uh, I've lived in, you and I both lived in Florida and Texas, and they're both special in their own right. I think about it this way. We always make an annual trip to Florida. Right. We always go to Jacksonville. There's Northeast Florida. Then there's the Tampa-St. Pete area. Mm-hmm. There's Central Florida. And then there's Miami, right? In the areas around Miami, they're four distinct, oh, yeah. different locations. They're they might as well be four like different states. It, it's true, totally it, different. I know people think Texas is kind of like that because you have Austin with a different mentality mindset right. than maybe Dallas and Houston. And then if you go all the way west, El Paso. But trust us, Texas is far more alike. Yes, coast to well, or uh, border to border. Mm-hmm. I was going to say sideline to sideline. Yeah. Border to border than Florida. Florida, like you said, it's a melting pot that doesn't melt. At all. It's just a bunch of pieces thrown together, <laughs> and they don't blend really <laughs> at all. You know, it's, <laughs> In Fort Lauderdale, Miami, when I moved to Florida, and this is a while ago, to be the voice of the Hurricanes, the people in Fort Lauderdale were like, oh, you're going to live in Miami? Like, you're really going to live there? Like, it was a war zone or something. I said, of course I'm living in Miami. I want to be like, it's the Godfather. It's James Bond yeah. and Goldfinger. I'm going to live right on Miami Beach. Not, not South Beach, but yeah. like Miami Beach. And uh, it was great. That was when I was between marriages. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. 2011 was the last time that we've been to Tampa. It feels like it was long ago, and it feels like it was just yesterday. Yeah. I know a lot of people will ask you what do you remember most about it, and I know what a lot of people will say. I remember the game being pretty much a laugh for the Texans just put it on Tampa Bay pretty much the whole time. But it was also when Matt Schaub went down. Yeah. What do you remember from that situation? We didn't know he went down until the next day. So yeah. we left Tampa feeling really good at 7-3, and three, top seed in the AFC at the time. Now you have six games to go, but yeah. the Texans were looking good. They had a four-game winning streak going at the time. And this is just all off the top of my head. You're right. The game was – the Texans handled them. And it was a – 
that wasn't a coronation. It's too much to say that, but it was an arrival. Right. right? That's that what it you, felt like. You went yeah. in there and you beat them like that. And Arian Foster had another 78-yard catch and run, which he had against the Titans the first game of that four-game winning streak, which turned into a seven-game winning streak with uh, T.J. Yates helping finish off the last three wins of that streak. But we left there thinking, this could be interesting. This could be really special. Feeling really good. Seven yeah. and three, Johnny. Seven and three at the time yeah. in 2011. They had never been seven and three. I mean, the year before, we all know that was disappointing. The year before that, we know they were five and seven at one point. Look, seven and three was was uncharted waters. Yeah, you were on a roll, and you were coming home, and you were going into the bye, getting ready to play Jacksonville. So the next day, I get here to NRG Stadium, and I'm still at Sports Radio 610 doing the morning show at this point. And before the press conference with Gary Kubiak, word is getting it's kind of leaking out Twitter or whatever that Matt Schaub could be out for the season. I'm thinking. Huh? He did. Yeah. You know what? All right, so he suffered the Liz Frank injury on the field. Yeah. Albert Hainsworth stepped on his foot or whatever. He did the post game. You know how CBS used to have the guy, and they probably still do, you stand on the field, like stand right on the numbers. That's right, the right. X. And they're going to zoom in, and they got the headset on. They're doing the, the post game interview yeah, yeah. with the guys in the studio. He did that one. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll be fine. My foot, yeah, it's, it's okay. Well, the next day, out for the year. And Shab told me later. That if that was week 17 or something, or week 16, he would have wrapped it up and played in the playoffs. Now, I don't know if he could have physically done that. Right. But he told me that, that he was willing to try yeah. because it meant that much to him. But with six weeks to go, of course, you yeah. couldn't do that. Yeah. And uh, the rest is history. It is, and it made – you know, it's interesting looking back how – I mean, you wonder how many guys have walked through this building that didn't get the opportunity that T.J. Yates had and TJ, when you talk to Texans fans, I feel like there's this special place that TJ has in a lot of Texans fans' hearts right? because he got the opportunity. Yeah. He got the opportunity. He's a rookie. He doesn't really know what he's doing, but he just goes out there and he you know, finishes, the, finishes off the Jaguars game and right. then comes back here for what I thought was one of the more physical, emotional, intense games against the Falcons and gets that, and obviously he's from that area, so facing the Falcons. And then, of course, there's the game against Cincinnati where he has the drive at the end and throws it to Walter for the game. It's like he becomes a, a cult figure in some sense. And then he comes back the in Texans. 20, 2015. He comes back in 15 and does it again. Yeah. And he will be remembered forever in large part because Albert Hainsworth stepped on Chubb's foot. Yeah, so – Memories from that one, and I'll tell you what, going there every year for the pre- or every other year for the preseason for so long because yeah, yeah. that was a preseason game four partner yeah. with the Texans, and I like that trip, okay? You know, nothing wrong with going to Tampa for yeah. a preseason game. You get all day in Tampa, but it was just kind of weird because we saw the Buccaneers fade. See, the Buccaneers, obviously, they won the Super Bowl the first year the Texans were in the league, right. as you know. And they were going good, you know. Even a preseason game there was kind of a big deal, game four even. Uh, But as time went on, they faded, and it was interesting to watch that process because you saw the stadium, it just didn't have the same vibe anymore. Uh, It's a weird place. People haven't been there. They have a pirate ship. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the pirate ship. I'm I'm curious about it. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I sort of want to go up there. I think you should because a former sideline reporter did mm, a really? long time ago. Yes, he did. And uh, <laughs> did he fall off? No, he did not fall off. But uh, it's John Granado. I'll just say <laughs> he he went up there and he he had one of the one of the great inadvertent lines in Texans radio history when he said, "Oh uh, no." <laughs> 
Oh, I'll no, that say, was a later game. I'll say it. He said, I'm up here on the pirate ship with the guy who blows off his cannon. He said that. Now, look, I can say it. It's fine. Yeah, it literal. Course. It's a fact, okay? Is, but- the guy blows off the cannon <laughs> when they score a touchdown. Okay. Oh man. So it was like I, that. I, you know what? There's yeah. Uh, there <laughs> with Granado. There's a lot of things that I don't want to replicate that he yeah. did. So I might just stay on the field. But I, I am curious about that. Uh, that pirate ship, and it's also the location of Deshaun Watson's maybe greatest on-field accomplishment. Yes, winning the national winning the national championship. Yeah. I what love it that? that that it's Winston and Watson and the ACC yeah. thing and the national championship quarterback alumni club yeah. thing. I I love this stuff. Yeah, they crossed over, but they didn't play against each other. Right, you because James James was suspended for that game, and Florida State still ended up winning it. And Deshaun had not taken over as the bona fide number one starter yet. He had not done that. Cliff Stout sunk. Cole Stout had started the game, and then about three series in, Deshaun comes in and he made some throws, and I'm like. Oh my God, this this guy's unbelievable! Holy smokes, man! When he gets to the pros, he's going to be phenomenal. And thankfully, he's phenomenal with us. That's such a blessing, really. I, I count my lucky stars <laughs> yeah. so often. I'm thinking, gosh, we have Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it's the answer to almost every question about the team. Yeah, it really is. That's what true. are we going to do? About- we have Deshaun Watson. Right. Well, what about this position, Deshaun Watson? <laughs> well, what about the dra- Deshaun Watson? Yeah, it's okay. You have Deshaun Watson. You can build everything around him. You have a quarterback. This is what we've wanted for years. Somebody who could, who you could rely on year in, year out. And look, it's early. It's year three for him. Yeah, got to keep it going. That that's what blows my mind about guys like Breeze and Brady and Manning when he was playing that year after year Rogers year after year I know I know there are occasional injury issues like this yeah. year with Breeze Rogers of course but not catastrophic end of the world end of career right. injuries and Brady obviously just had the one year out of the bazillion he's played and that's what you want somebody you can rely on year in year out who's going to be there going to be that guy but you still have to put a good team around him and you have to have the culture because look at Atlanta this year you know Matt Ryan's a good quarterback we all know yep. that he's a really good quarterback yep. but they don't always win yep. they don't always win you know and it's a weird dynamic with them like you've got to be able to put the whole thing together but it obviously starts with the most important position on the field the I can't remember who tweeted this, Mark. Somebody tweeted this and put this out there. The three quarterbacks for the AFC are Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun. The three quarterbacks for the NFC are Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and... Breeze? No, because he missed so much of the year. Yeah, he missed part of the year. I can't remember who the third quarterback was, but it was not Dak. It was not Kirk Cousins. And it's not Goff. It was Rodgers, Wilson, and... Another another quarterback in the NFC may, may have been Breeze. I, I don't know, but either way, they then tweeted out the salaries of oh those boy. guys, and it got me thinking about what really has kind of gone on in the AFC, right? Because Mahomes, Watson, and Jackson are all under the age of twenty four, I believe. Mm-hmm. They're all twenty four younger. I don't know that I can remember a time in AFC NFC. When you had a group of such young quarterbacks, I mean, if you think about just, just think about the playoff teams, you have Baltimore with right now, you have Buffalo, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, you've got Kansas City with Mahomes, you got us with Deshaun, you got Buffalo with Josh Allen, yep, you got Pittsburgh with a guy named Duck Hodges, and now that won't stick, but you got that. Then you've got uh, Cleveland with Baker Mayfield in a second year. 
You got the Jets with Sam Darnold in the yeah, second we're, year. We're getting away from the playoff teams now, of course. Yeah, but of I get, course. I get but, what you're saying. But it's I don't know that I can ever remember a year where a division or the league has had so many young quarterbacks mm-hmm. that they're trying to, you know, I mean, they're really, I mean, these those three in particular, they're turning the corner and turning the corner fast. Yep. Josh Allen has played very, very well for Buffalo. That's a big reason why that team is 10-4. and four. But I don't know that I can remember a year where we've seen such young quarterbacks sort of take over because it's always been Brady, Breeze, Rivers, Manning, Manning, you know, whoever else you want yeah. to throw in that mix. From, they've, they've always been the guy. Flacco even at times. It's always been those guys. There is a serious changing of the guard going on with the yep. young and the old quarterbacks in the league. Serious, as you said. By the way, it is Breeze in the NFC, yeah. the other quarterback. But when you look at Roethlisberger getting hurt, when you look at Rivers playing for it, look, Rivers can still bring it, but there's some mistakes made, yep. and it's not all him, and the team's not having a good year. Then you look at Manning sitting, okay? Yeah. That group from 04 was holding it down for so long. Yep. And the fact that Breeze and Brady are still standing is pretty impressive. Yeah. And I'm wondering what happens next year. You know, is this it for Brady yeah. indeed? Or I love it how all this free agent talk. Well, Brady is slated to become a free agent. And the talking head shows are like, all right, uh, what's a great destination for Tom Brady? Uh, retirement? Yeah, right. uh, just Giselle, sailing off. Giselle's kitchen? Yeah. I, I don't really understand the question. It's the Patriots or bust for Brady. Brady's not going to be Joe Namath in San Francisco. Brady is not going to be, well, I was going to say Peyton Manning in Denver, but that was a Super Bowl year, but you know what I'm yeah. saying. He, even Joe Montana in Kansas City, that works out pretty well. Give me another one. Brady's not going to be Johnny Unitas in San Diego. That's the best one. Joe Namath in L.A. I mean, that's, Oh, it was L.A. What Joe Namath thinking? went to the Rams. I'm thinking of O.J. Go, O.J. Simpson going OJ to San Francisco. Went, yeah, O.J. went to San Francisco. Jeez, yeah. Mark, get it together. I mean, Emmett Smith going from Dallas to, to Phoenix Awful. to play for the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't see Brady. Ed Reed coming to the. T- Never mind. Uh, this let, yeah. Never mind. You had to go there. You had to go there. We were having a fun the, conversation, the, and then the you league, went there. The league actually, and this is look the NFL office, and it's a lot of different people working there. Yeah. I guess this is just standard procedure that they're going to go to the former teams of whoever's in that top 100 list. Yes, they did. They notified PR. By the way, Ed Reed, a former Texan, a former Texan. Really, <laughs> really. Because there are guys who played for this team that you kind of forget about that had good careers, like Eric Moulds. Oh, I'll you give know. you one. Jake DeLome. Oh, Jake DeLome. Look, Andre, jo- Andre Johnson, he was on the show yesterday. Yeah. So we sat here and talked for a while after yeah. the, the show, our interview ended. And this didn't make the interview, but we were talking about that 11th season with the yeah, Tampa yeah. Bay. And you mentioned the Atlanta win, which, which was 17-10. to 10. There was another 17-10 to 10 victory that year over the Steelers. And he really, I'm not revealing anything yeah. here, but he said that that win, he thinks that win turned the whole organization yeah. around. Beating a good Steelers team yep. with Ben Roethlisberger here, the way they did, they had an 11-minute drive in the first mm-hmm. half, things like that. That was an organization changer yeah. right there. Even though they didn't, they eventually went 3-3 three and three to start the season before they took off, that win, that gave them confidence to know that they could beat really good teams. Yeah, that was that was a big... That was huge. I mean, when you beat a a team of that particular caliber, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it. I don't want to say it goes out. He's dead right. He's yeah. so right about that. I think that absolutely. And it gives you walk in that locker room like, man, we beat the Steelers, man. Yeah. And I think it works at all levels. You know, high school, college, pro. It it doesn't really matter what level you're on. You beat a good mm-hmm. team or a team that's traditionally good. You beat them no matter what. Like, hey, 
we beat this team, we can beat any team. Right. I mean, how many coaches have said that over the years? Hey, you beat that team, you can definitely beat the team right. you're about to face. You beat the Patriots, you can beat anybody. Don't lose to Denver. Uh-oh, right. they or did you that. you lose to Denver. But they yeah. beat the Titans, and that was a really good win. Yeah. And now we'll see what happens against Tampa Bay. Because I'm not going to say it's anybody's guess, but this could, this could be really a wild is. game with Winston. This is a good team you're playing. You're without Martin and McKinney on defense. Mm-hmm. They're without two Pro Bowl receivers, Godwin and Mike Evans. That's and probably their fastest guy, Scotty Miller. Mm-hmm. So, like, Pick your poison. Yeah. With I mean, it, it really is anybody's guess as to what happens on Saturday. But Mark, winning the division if the Texans are able to do it this weekend, mm-hmm. and it can happen one of two ways. It can happen with the Texans winning. That's the easiest way, right? Or the Saints beat the Titans in Nashville. Don't talk to me about ties, but they figure in. Yeah, too. they figure in as well. And I we don't worry about ties. But what will it mean? To win four out of five AFC South titles well, for the last I'll go, five, I'll go six out of nine here because that's what it would be. Yeah, it would be because you didn't win it in fourteen and fifth and uh, thirteen and fourteen. Right, thirteen you Colts. were you were two and fourteen in the fourteen season. You were nine and seven, but right. didn't win the division, didn't make the playoffs. Look, I think it would mean a ton for the Bill O'Brien era to be able to do this. Yeah, uh, and and everybody's taking their best shot at you. You know, the Texans. Look, they're not the Patriots, okay? We we understand this. Right. However, in this division, you are getting everybody's best game. Yep. No one is, uh, well, we'll look past the Texans in the AFC South. Right. Like, you might look at you, meaning the fans out there listening. Some people might look at Jacksonville. Oh, that should be a layup game. For Jacksonville to beat the Texans is a huge deal. That's why two years ago when they did it, they were taking advantage. They were just like, let's have at it. Yeah. And they had that big blowout win. They emptied win. the tank that day. Yeah, I mean, this is this is really cool stuff. Now, you want to take the next step. Don't get me wrong. Like, don't talk to me about uh, – I understand. They haven't won the Super Bowl. They haven't gotten to the AFC Championship game. But this would be very cool – but it's not the end. And right. they'll be the first to tell you they've got to do better in the postseason this year. But they got to get there first, and the way to do it is to win tomorrow. Yep, step one. Mark, appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, I make every prediction straight up and against the spread right here on Texans All Access. All right, let's dive in. We've got a big weekend of NFL football, and it starts on Saturday. So let's do our prediction straight up and against the spread. I should say our because that implies that I'm throwing other people in the mix. These are mine. I am all on record. I don't know what my record is, but I know it's probably close to 90% straight up and probably about 85% against the spread. And if you believe that, I got some riverfront property to sell you right here in Houston. All right, let's do this and make our predictions straight up against the spread. Now, the first game of the weekend is Texans Bucks, and you know how I feel. I do not pick games straight up or against the spread involving the Texans because I can never mess with my heart in my head. I just go with it. And hopefully the Texans will win and win the AFC South. Four, and it'll be the fourth out of five years as we talked with Mark in the previous segment. So let's kick it off in Foxborough, where the Patriots 11 and three are taking on the Bills 10 and four. This will be the game right after ours on Saturday. The Patriots are favored by six and a half. Now I do think the Patriots will win. Julian Edelman is banged up. It is something to keep an eye on. He is questionable, but he's banged up. But the Bills, I believe. Have to win this and next week and hope the Patriots lose. I think the Bills lose the tiebreaker, but either way, I think the Patriots win an ugly, ugly game. Like 17-13. Last one was 16-10 up in Buffalo. It's going to be like that. But either way, the Bills are going to get inside that 6.5. And, 
So take the Patriots to win, the Bills to get inside that number. Then your evening nightcap, if you will. The Rams taking on the 49ers. The Rams have got to stay alive by winning the final two games. That's just step one. Then they need some help to have the Vikings lose the last two games. That's going to be tough, although the Vikings do play the Packers, and we'll get to that in a little bit. And it's in Minnesota. you got a log jam with the 49ers having lost last week to the Falcons. You have four teams in the NFC at 11-3. The 49ers are one, the Seahawks are another, the Saints and the Packers. All 11-3. Now, the 49ers play the Rams. The Saints go to Tennessee. The Packers face the Vikings, and the Seahawks get a, a visit from the Cardinals. So it would feel as if and seems as if the Seahawks have the easiest path, but we'll see. As it were, back to the Rams 49ers game. 49ers are a 6.5-point favorite. I think it's a little rich. Although the Rams didn't play well, I think the Rams bounce back. The 49ers find a way to eke out a win. So take the Niners to win and the Rams to get inside that 6.5. Then we go to Sunday's games, and we go to Atlanta. Where Jacksonville's taking on Atlanta, you got two 5-9 teams. you got the Jags having fired Executive Vice President Tom Coughlin this week. You've got Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell on seemingly a short leash, so to speak. And you got the Falcons coming off a huge win over the 49ers out in San Francisco. Atlanta's favored by seven. I think that's just right. And usually when it's just right, I take the home team and I lay the point. So I'm going to say take Atlanta to win and to cover to win this thing by 10 or more. Minshew Mania will eke out a few points, but I think the Falcons will feel it a little bit and get a win at a minimum, and get that cover of seven points. The Ravens go to the Browns. Here's your trivia question. The last team to beat Baltimore was, yes, the Cleveland Browns, and that was in Baltimore. Now they play in Cleveland. The Browns have a wild hair outside shot of getting to the playoffs, but they've got to beat the Ravens, and the Ravens are trying to stay where they are so they can have home field throughout the playoffs and everybody comes to M&T Bank Stadium. Baltimore's favored by 10. I think the Browns in division, I don't like double digits in division. Especially when teams have not completely packed it in. Now the Browns are a mess. But they find a way to rise up against teams that have got a pulse. And the Ravens have more than a pulse. I think the Browns will lose, but cover. The Ravens win this, but the Browns keep it inside 10 points at home. Saints... Travel Titans. Titans are a two and a half point dog at home. The Saints have got to have it. Drew Brees was phenomenal. They played Monday night. It was highly emotional. Drew Brees set the all-time passing touchdown record. He was 29 of 30. They did everything right. Usually the come down after that game is pretty harsh. And the Titans have got to have it. If anything, for their playoff hopes, if the Texans lose and the Titans win, then Sunday, next Sunday, becomes all about the division for the Titans right here at NRG Stadium. I'm going heart and head on this one. I want the Saints to win. I will pick the Saints to win and to cover that two and a half. Who dat? Let's go Saints. The Panthers travel to the Colts. The Colts are not dead yet. They are hanging on to the smallest sliver of breath for a wild card. And they're playing the Panthers, and the Panthers have not played well. Since Ron Rivera was let go a few weeks ago, they've not won. They have not won in a while. This is 
the Panthers' M.O. seemingly. Down the stretch of the last couple of seasons, they fade. Indianapolis is favored at home by about a touchdown. Let's give the Colts a win and a cover as they beat the Panthers at home. The Bengals go to the Dolphins. Uh, yeah, I don't. Cincinnati's favored by one? Am I reading this right? Cincinnati's favored by one going down to Miami. No way. Miami wins. Take Miami to win and obviously then cover. Steelers go to the Jets. And the Steelers, I got to have this one. If the Steelers lose, no matter what, the Texans are guaranteed a playoff spot. Steelers will not lose. They're favored by three at the Jets. The Jets are a mess. Nobody wants to play for Adam Gase on the offensive side. The Steelers win, and they win by more than three. The Giants and Redskins are both 3-11, and so nobody cares at this point unless you're putting together a mock draft. Let's take the Redskins to win and beat Eli Manning in Washington. The Lions travel to the Broncos. The Lions are not a very good football team. Watched them Thanksgiving. They played okay. Couldn't stop anybody. I watched them against the Buccaneers. Couldn't stop anybody. I think they'll have a hard time stopping the Broncos going back home. The Broncos are favored by seven. Give the Broncos a win and a cover. All you know is that Matt Patricia is still staying. The Raiders go to the Chargers. You're playing this one for respect on the Chargers side. I think the Raiders have that same small sliver of hope for a playoff bid. The Chargers are favored by seven. That's too rich. I think the Chargers win, but the Raiders play that within seven. I'll leave it that way. Cowboys and Eagles. Oh, boy. NFC East on the line. Dak Prescott's hurting. But Dallas is favored by a point and a half. In Philly, I don't like it. I'm going to go with Philly to eke out a win and take a lead in the NFC East. A little bit of an upset there at Philly. The Seahawks get a visit from the Cardinals. The Cardinals can put up some points. But the Seahawks got a gift last week. They played in Carolina. They held on to a lead, but the gift came in the form of the Falcons beating the Niners. They don't need a gift this week. The Seahawks pound the Cardinals. They win that by more than nine and a half, so take the Seahawks to win into cover. The Chiefs travel to Chicago. The Chiefs are a six-point favorite on the road. Mitchell Trubisky, if you're going to do anything, this is that time. You're facing Pat Mahomes. It's the first time you've faced one of the quarterbacks from the 2017 draft. You need to win. Hartenhead, Bears with the upset. And then Monday night, Packers take on the Vikings. The Vikings are favored at home, and I'm going to go with the Vikings. In that building, we're going skull all the way. All right, we get back. It's our players segment right here on Texans All Access. All right, we got one final segment from Tampa, Florida on this Friday edition of Texans All Access, also from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host, and I am... So glad to be with you as we get ready for week 16, game 15, and this one taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Texans have won the last two meetings, 2015 and 2011, and that's as far as my brain can go back. I'm sure they met in 2007. I know they met in 2007. Just trying to remember what happened, and I don't have the information in front of me. So just go with me to the fact that Texans won the last two. Looking to make it three in a row. Looking to make it two in a row two in a row on the season, and they can make it two in a row on the season, they will be AFC South champs as they leave the field on Saturday. It's also the spot where Deshaun Watson won his national championship with Clemson. So, yeah, this this place has got some memories for some guys, and 
He's got some memories for a guy in Vernon Hargraves who's going back to where he started his career, and hopefully VH3 can have himself a great game and show the Bucks what they missed out on and what the Texans gained. And I would imagine he is going to see some significant time playing against this Buccaneers team that throws the ball a lot and throws it very well a lot, as in 309 yards per game, number one in the NFL. All right, we always turn segment six as I in my world, because it's segment six, three each hour, the last segment of the show, into our players segment. And we always kick it off with our buddy, Brennan Scarlett. B-Scar TV this week, best and worst holiday present guys have ever gotten. Got a little cameo, though, right off the bat, from Jordan Thomas. Check this out. Right. You my guest, though. I bet. Hello. We're here with Brendan Scarlett, outside linebacker. 57. 57 on the field, number one in your hearts. I mean, don't let me keep going. Don't let me, that was a lie. That was a lie. What is the best holiday gift you've ever received? When I was younger, I always wanted a video game. So I got the PlayStation, and then that's when NCAA was out. So NCAA football with the PlayStation 2. Yeah. <laughs> that PS2. When I was about 11, um, mom came across some money, and uh, she bought me my first pair of Jordans, man. First pair of Jordans. Which Jordans were they? The 11s. Jordan 11. Oh, oh, dope. Uh, which colorway were they? Black and white, baby, with a little little specks of red in that joint. Oh. Wow, shout out to moms hooking it up with the J's. When the first Xbox came out, I got that in 2007, I think. And I was lit. My mom got it for me. My grandma actually got it for me. When it first dropped. When it first dropped. So you know I was lit. <sighs> Probably my BB gun. It had to be when I was like seven. My mom and dad got me a four-wheeler for Christmas. They said, you know what I'm saying? I went outside, you know, and played on it while they were asleep. You know what I mean? And then when I woke back up to get on it, it was broke. What's the worst holiday present you've ever received? My older brother, man. For Christmas, he got me some white shacks. <laughs> Straight from Payless. Straight from Payless, man. And it was too big. Hey, shout out to Shaquille O'Neal making affordable sneakers for the kids out there. <laughs> like a legit ugly sweater. One of my aunties got it for me. It was a bad sweater, bro. It was really ugly, but you got to play like it's nice. And I had to wear it for her. And try to, thug, you know, make it look tight, but it just wasn't happening. You had to thug it out. <laughs> so when you open that gift, like, what's the, what's the reaction? Because, like, you got to act kind of like, you know, like you like it. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I like this, yeah, you know, you put it up to you, see what size it is, look at it. I don't know why our family feel like they be getting like a fresh sweater when they know it's bad, like, and then they give it to you so happy, like, you know I'm not going to like this. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, man. You've been just a, a wonderful guest. The uh, Number 33, AJ Moore from the countryside, that mud riding, BB gun shooting. Dog. All right, we're moving. And Brent Scarlett certainly means dog in a good way. A.J. Moore 
is I'm so glad that guy is with this team, man. He does some really good things for this team and came on the field in specialized third down situations the other day, drew a holding penalty, got some pressure, recovered the block field goal. This is some great things. He, he's a great guy to have around. And ironically, he is very, very close to Jordan Thomas, who you heard at the beginning of Biscar TV, AK Player Reporter. It's brought to you by Arctic, the official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit RTICcoolers.com. Arctic coolers overbuilt, not overpriced. So let's do a little Texans audio jukebox as well because this week my man DeAndre Hopkins went to, well, he had a locker room podium, let's put it that way, after he was voted to the Pro Bowl, and he met with the media on the day after he was sick, and he was asked how he felt about being sick and how he was feeling on that day, and he said, swell. <laughs> yeah, he uh, yeah, he was uh, not really, I don't want to say in a talkative mood, but he wasn't wanting to talk about being ill, but that's okay. Hop said he was feeling swell. Well, obviously, the Pro Bowl was a big deal. That was a huge deal. Here's what he had to say about going to the Pro Bowl. It means a lot to be a uh, Pro Bowl. Um, you know, it's a lot of people that vote. Uh, you know, and uh, you know they watch football a lot. So uh, you know, it's a lot of a lot of my peers out here that's had a great season as well that uh, could have got voted in. So um, it means a lot. And uh, thank you, know, thank the fans that voted. Yeah, I love that. He's always thankful of his fans, and he said that. Yeah, he he deserved it, and there's no question he deserved it. I work hard. Uh, I, I expect to be at the uh, you know the top of you know anything that I do, uh, no matter what position it is, no matter what sport it is. I, I strive to be the best at everything I do. So um, you know that's 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 my mission. That's what I work for. But you know, it's a lot of people out here that are also great. Um, you know, so to be considered at the top is honor. Yeah, he's put on a show this year. Said though that Saturday's game is not going to be easy. It's a lot of young guys, very aggressive. And they obviously want to make a name against Hopkins. It's a good team. Uh, you know, those guys have some, some injuries, but, you know, they still got uh, a good team over there. So we've got to come out and focus and, uh, you know, take it, take it play by play. And they've got a great offense. Hop knows a great offense when he sees it. they got a great offense. Now, there would have been three Pro Bowl receivers in this game, three of the eight in this game. However, you will not see Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. Doesn't matter, Hop said. They got themselves a pretty good offense led by a guy that Hop has seen before in Jameis Winston. Jameis is, is throwing the ball, um, you know, 400, however many yards back-to-back. So, um, you know, he's a good quarterback. Um, you know, it's a good defense we're going against. So we got to come out and play. Yeah, there's no question. They definitely got to come out and play. I think they know that more than more than anything. More than anything, they know they got to play. So let's flip it over to the other side of the ball and hear a little bit from Jonathan Joseph, and he went a little further into the Jameis can play situation. Yeah, I think we all know Jameis can play, but hearing it from J. Joe, uh, that the guy that's been around for a while, he's seen a lot of quarterbacks. He knows Jameis can sling it. Obviously, everybody talks about his turnovers or whatever that is. I think, you know, I see a guy that's, you know, being a good decision maker, you know, getting the ball out of his hands quickly, knowing where he wants to go with the ball. He's obviously passing for a lot of yards. You know, he's playing some good football down the stretch. He's putting that team in winning position in a lot of these games. Now, they last saw Jameis in 2015. That was week three. That was Jameis' rookie year. He's changed a lot and come a long way, said J. Joe. 
Uh, he's always growing as a quarterback, as a leader. You know, he likes to get out there in front of his team and be the leader for him. And he's always been that guy coming out of college. And I think he's a natural leader, likes to lead by example. And obviously he was young then, but coming in to the game, I think he handled himself well back then. If I can remember correct, uh, three, four years ago. But I think now when you look at a guy, he's way light years ahead of that. He, you know, he may make a turnover here or there, but he comes right back. He's not gun shy. He's confident. He can uh, orchestrate the offense well. So I see a guy that's, you know, obviously able to drive and he'll be the captain. And one of the words that he didn't mention is one he mentioned here, and that is James is fearless. You see a lot of guys in this league make that turnover and they're scared to make the next throw or the next play. That's not him. You know, if he turns the ball over, he understands what's the mistake he made. He comes right back out there and his foot hits the ground. He's getting that ball out to whoever it is. Bruce Arians is now the coach with Jameis, and that's a combination that a lot of people talked about when that decision by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was made to hire Bruce Arians. And we all went, whoa, wait a second. It might take a little while, but this combination, whoo, boy. J.J. said the offense, though, hadn't changed a whole lot. Bruce Arians knows what he's doing. I just remember the receivers he had when he was in Cincinnati. I mean, he was in Pittsburgh, those guys. You know, Nate and uh, Santonio. Hines and those guys, the speed he had. And then he went to Arizona and he had those guys some speed on the side because he had my guy Carson Palmer as quarterback, so I've always watched him. And then, you know, he come over to Tampa Bay and they quietly put together Mike Evans and those 2,000-yard receivers they got over there and had some young guys in. He's always been able to, you know, find talent and use it well in his scheme. Yeah, there's no question. Bruce Arians knows what he's doing. So there you go, a little Texans audio jukebox from – Two of the more veteran members of this squad. DeAndre Hopkins going to his fourth Pro Bowl. And Jonathan Joseph in his 14th season. Is my math correct on that? I think that's right. 2006 was his first year. 14th season. How about that? The venerable Jonathan Joseph. All right. We always hand over the final word of the show to our good friend Drew Doherty. And this week he caught up with rookie guard Max Sharping. Thanks so much. We've got left guard Max Sharping with us. And Max, how has the rookie season gone so far? I mean, we're nine and five, so I think it's been going pretty well. Uh, you know, it's always can be better for my end when I'm looking at film and stuff, but it's going pretty well. What's been the biggest challenge so far for you? I think just, you know, adjusting to the different game speed. Obviously, it's a big step up from college, but you're just trying to do your best every single play when you're in there and get the job done. In week three, you've been in the starting lineup since. Before you got in, Texans were seeing the quarterback get sacked five times a game. You can't blame everything on the offensive line. It's pass protection as a whole. Since you've been in, the Texans have averaged 2.4 sacks a game. So that number got cut in half. It's a collective effort, I know. But what's changed? I think just across the whole offense, we buckled down a little bit, made sure we knew what communication had to be made between wide receiver and quarterback if he's hot, running backs where they're looking, us where we're looking to protect, and you know, just collectively as an offensive line, focusing on that, making sure we knew that because we knew we had to keep uh, D4 upright. What's it like playing in between Laramie Tunsil and Nick Martin? It's awesome. <laughs> what have you learned? What have you learned? What sort of stuff have you uh, I've learned that Laramie Tunsil is the best left tackle in the NFL <laughs> and that Nick Martin is very good at what he does. Those guys help out every single play, even from a confidence standpoint. I mean, you know you guys, you have two guys there that have played here for a long time or in the league for a long time at a high level. It just kind of gives you confidence to go out there and do what you do because those guys are going to have your back. And I'm guessing you've picked up a lot of little tricks of the trade, just being around them and seeing them and, and actually playing in a game with them. Because I can't imagine you learn the same stuff you do in practice that you do in a game. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, practice reps and game reps are a lot different. So you're trying to simulate that in practice, obviously, as best you can. But when it's out there live, you're learning stuff from each other, how, how to communicate what, you're, what they're kind of looking at on a defensive perspective, what you have to focus on, stuff like that. So what's the challenge this week with this front in Tampa Bay? Because you've got some guys who've seen some things, done some things in the league, haven't they? Yeah, this is one of the most experienced fronts probably in the league overall. They're very experienced up front, got great, great guys uh, all across the front, really. So it's going to be a big challenge for us. Yeah, and Dominican Sue is one of them. He's somebody that Texans fans are familiar with. Don't know how much you'll see of him because of where you play and where he plays. Might see a lot, might see not too much of him. But when you have a guy like that who's got that pedigree, what do you think? It's a good way to gauge where you are as a player. And, you know, you have to come every single play ready to to give your best because, like you said, he's a great player, been doing it for a really long time at a high level. So you just have to trust in your technique, really work on that this week and get in the playbook, make sure I know exactly what I'm supposed to do on every play, where my help is, who I'm supposed to be looking at, stuff like that. So just trying to don't do too much, just do your job. How much is a, of a challenge is it when you have a flip around where the game comes one day sooner than Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think every anytime you have a little bit less uh, time until the game, you kind of have to lock in on film study a little bit more, uh, you know, less less time to prepare. So you have to really lock it down and know what you're doing. And uh, communication across the front, Nick getting the call out to all of us, Deshaun in the huddle, making sure we all know the play, all stuff like that has to be on point. Last thing, early in the week, around Tuesday, I saw you walking through the halls of NRG Stadium, and a big cold front had rolled through the night before. It's chilly for us Houstonians. You're in there wearing a short sleeve shirt and shorts, walking in the, the and my, my immediate thought was, what is this guy thinking? And then I remembered, oh, he grew up in Green Bay. I think I looked at my phone, it was 39 degrees or so when I woke up, and I was like, ooh, good day. <laughs> it's a good day for me. <laughs> a nice, warm, balmy uh, Green Bay day, oh, right? That would be a fantastic day in the winter. That is, you're, you're out there in shorts mm-hmm. and a t-shirt in Green Bay in that weather. You played in some cold weather, obviously, in high school and in college. Played in snow, I'm guessing. Did you? A couple times. A couple times. Did you go sh- sleeveless? Uh, yeah, sleeveless, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, sleeveless. I still have gloves on. I can't play without gloves just the way it is now no de- definitely sleeveless you know gotta gotta show the guns off okay i'm kidding, I'm kidding. you, you should have rolled with that it. you should have just stuck with the physique thing <laughs> that would have been funny and we would have we would have stayed with uh, that but i understand i understand what you're saying. well max sharping best of luck on saturday against the bucks best of luck the rest of the way we appreciate your time thank you thank you very much for having me that man has grown by leaps and bounds throughout the year at guard he's had struggles as every rookie does but he has been solid to say the least, Max Sharp is going to be a good football player for a very long time. So we appreciate Max and J. Joe and Hop and B. Scar doing a great job with B. Scar TV. That was one of my favorite Brennan Scarlett television episodes that we've ever had, a.k.a. Player Reporter, brought to you by Arctic. And now we get ready for the game on Saturday. Kickoff, 12 noon. If you're in Tampa going to the game, it's 1 o'clock Eastern time. Remember, you're on Eastern time and cannot wait. This Saturday is one of the greatest football days I think I've ever seen. With everything that's going on, with bowl games, with state championship games, it all becomes spoiled in some sense if the Texans don't get a win. So it's simple as this. All season, from the time the schedule is announced in April, to OTAs and minicamps, to the break, to training camp, to preseason games, the season, all the way, and it comes down to this. 
Win this game, win the division. 60 minutes away from winning the division four times in five years. That would be an amazing accomplishment. Now, you still can have other things happen over the weekend to get you in the playoffs and to also get you the division title. But to go in that locker room and start putting on hats and T-shirts is the goal of every player that will get on a plane this weekend. It isn't the only goal, but it's the most immediate goal. We will see you on Saturday, tomorrow. Don't miss it. Pre-game show on radio starts at 9 o'clock. You'll hear me around 10. you hear Mark and Andre, John McClain, a myriad of others. Sean and Seth will have you. And then post-game, you're going to have Sean and Clint Sterner. And then, of course, in between, Mark, Andre, and myself will bring you the game right here on our flagship Sports Radio 610. A big thanks to everybody involved on the show tonight. Thank you to all of you for listening. Take care. We will see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.